This episode of the Better Two Podcast is brought to you by Kitty Mystic and DM Needham, author of My Days with the Dark Muse, as well as Love is Worth Waiting For. Hi, gang. Donna here. Thanks for tuning into the Better Two Podcast. Today's guest is Nate Merchant. Some of you guys may know him as Merchant. And he was on our show back in September of 2021, talking about his single Lose Somebody, as well as his collaboration with John Taylor. That episode was from season two. It was the season finale and it was episode 22. But let's talk about the current visit. The current visit is all about that song, Lose Somebody, and the record that it's on. The album is called Beautiful Meltdown. Beautiful Meltdown is, I want to say it's a concept album because Nate and I talk about this, that it really is an album that you should listen to from the beginning to the end. It's about 40 minutes long and in it's definitely worth sitting down because it takes you on a journey of depression and anxiety, growth to balance and hope. And, you know, we don't necessarily consume music that way anymore, but I'm recommending highly to download it and give it a listen. But we're not only talking about the album today. We also talk about topics such as, believe it or not, video games, relationships, depression, and well, the pandemic and some news stories that came up this week. So stay tuned. Hi, Nate, and welcome back. And thank you for coming back. Yes, happy to be here. Today you're back because, well, how do we say this? All the singles that you've been releasing has finally formed an album. Exactly, exactly. We've got a new album on the way, Beautiful Meltdown. Um, and yeah, it's, I guess it's half singles I've released and half new songs. We got six new songs for everyone to hear. That's pretty awesome. And I had to laugh when I got your press release and it says beautiful meltdown, the neon wall of sound heals hearts. And I'm like, I know that's not part of the title, but I love long titles. My books have long titles. So I was like, this is perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's our, our fake headline to inspire, uh, an article, but, um, yeah, it does. It does feel like that a bit. So this has been a journey for you. I mean, not just the record, but the writing of the songs and recording them. But where did the st- where did this stem from? You know, as far as what made you decide to start writing this album, or was it something that you've just been dabbling with for years and decided, okay, I'm done with Papa Ya for now. I want to do something personal for me. Yeah, I think um, I definitely at the end of my last band, I was kind of like frustrated with artist projects in general and that kind of stuff. And so I said, you know, I'm just gonna write songs with kind of no purpose of where they're gonna go or what category they're gonna fit in, whether they're gonna be pitched to someone else or for me or for a new band or whatever. And um, I think that was like a really, uh, uh, you know, that, that period kind of shaped my new style and I think during that time I was really focusing on just authenticity and like honesty and just like saying like exactly what I mean and not really worrying about maybe what people want to hear or what a song is supposed to sound like or what a song is supposed to be. Um, And just kind of getting in touch with like, okay, what kind of music do I love? What do I want to sound like? What do I want to talk about? Those sort of things. And, um, and so that was kind of the genesis of this whole thing. And, 
Um, and through that process, I, I got to the point where I was like, oh, there's, you know, a lot of these songs that, um, you know, are about stories about my life. I should probably, you know, make this my, my solo effort. So since there is some personal stuff and we will dig deeper into that, have you let your family listen to it or your, of course. Friend? Yeah. Okay. No, and I'm, ha- I'm, su- I'm like an open book with my friends and family. Like they like know everything about me and I'm like, there's, um, there's nothing in these songs that is not, it's not been talked about in, in length with my family and my friends and um, my girlfriend and everybody close to me. So I'm, I'm like a wear my heart on my sleeve sort of guy. <laughs> well, I, and I have to ask, you know, it said in the press kit that you kind of went through a period of depression. Was that because of a breakup? Was that because just life? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm someone who probably like leans toward melancholy anyway, <laughs> which um I'm also kind of like a pretty upbeat sort of guy, so I don't know what the uh, psychology is behind that one. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've gone through various stages of, of being anxious and depressed or a combo of both throughout many, many parts of my life. Um, you know, kind of coming to a head during the pandemic was probably my worst time, which was when I was writing all these songs, which is kind of hilarious. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've definitely been depressed. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing, though. You don't come up, and, and this sounds very weird to say but you don't come across that way but we all put on a public persona especially when you are a person in the public eye you put on a public persona and even if you're melancholy or sad you're still going to put your best face forward yeah and i'd like to think that i don't fake how i feel i'm actually pretty bad at pretending to be happy so it's it's very obvious if you were to ask any of my friends and family of like like what i'm like when i'm upset it's like it's very obvious that i'm upset or that i'm yeah. sad or that I'm, I'm going through something or whatever and and i i I talk through things, I vent and stuff. That's kind of how I deal with my issues and whatever. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just like a guy, I just like, I enjoy life and I like talking to people and I like making music and I like smiling and I like having fun. I like running around and playing basketball. And, you know, I, I, I'm, yeah, that's my personality. And I think, um, along with that, I also feel things really deeply and I, uh, get upset i'm sensitive and i i cry and all sorts of stuff so, you know so it's that that's just the range of a human i think <laughs> but but isn't that what makes you be able to be creative because you are in touch with that side of you if you're not in touch with that emotional side of you your songs are not going to have as much meaning or oomph as the person that is the emotional creative right yeah no and that's i think the biggest hurdle of even making music is trying to figure out how to translate that feeling into the song and i think that's what um i really had to work on a lot you know in like the run-up to to making this music was trying to figure out what am i feeling you know trying to figure out like i started journaling around the same time as writing this album and so that's i think it's that shows in the music it's like it's it's um the album is sort of a journal like a big journal entry and so um you know you have to figure out how to turn those journal entries into songs and how do you translate that feeling into music or you know a lot of times what i do is i take the opposite feeling and make that the music and then have the journal entry be the words you know so it's it's you know and we've talked about this before the happy sound sound yeah. and sad songs and stuff and so that comes up a lot and, and you know sparkly synths and and wind chimes and all sorts of stuff that makes you not think anything's going to be going on and then you you know dive into the words and um and you get something else it's one of those things where yeah you're dancing along and then you're suddenly going what <laughs> yeah what is happening he broke a bottle in his hair what is he talking about yeah. you know like, so yeah. it deserves another listen you know so 
Yeah, and when you're talking about venting, it's funny because I, I have a running joke with a couple of my friends that I'm the vente friend. I'm the one you can call and vent to. So I'm the, I've said I'm the vente friend. Always remember the, that. <laughs> those people are valuable. Yeah, and I I like to think I can be on both sides. That, that you know, you want to be a good listener when you're a friend, and you want to be able to express yourself when you have to say something too. Well, that's exactly. I mean, just because I'm the vente friend, I do the same with them. And I mean, that's right. yeah. If, if think if anybody says that they haven't dealt with depression in some part of their life, especially after the pandemic, I'd have to say they're a liar because nobody can be up 24 <laughs> seven. Nobody. Yeah. yeah. So let's get into the record because I know that's why you really came here. But the beautiful meltdown, the song itself, I'm going to say I listened to it last night and then I listened to it in my car this morning. And I, I being the being the writer that I am, I just had this whole envision of, you know, driving down, you know, PCH top down and I had this whole vision of this woman holding a scarf in her hand and letting it go at one point because there's just something freeing in the song and it did remind me of something from a movie and yet while it's dancey I mean I could see it playing in a soundtrack so normally this would have been taped during the podcast but because the conversation was flowing and well we just kind of got sidetracked I forgot to do it which seems kind of crazy, but it happens. This is really my first album. Usually I do a song or two and and that's easy enough, but this is the first album and we're still going through a couple of growing pains. So bear with me. Next time I promise it won't be this way. The first single on the album is called Beautiful Meltdown. It's the title's track. And I think it's an amazing song. And after this, you'll get to hear what Nate and I talked about about it. So give it a listen.
That's great. We need to make the movie. It'll start with the woman in the scarf and, and we'll go from there. <laughs> Just being free. I mean, and that's the thing. Yeah. I think a meltdown, sometimes we look at meltdowns and we're like, oh, we can't get up from here. But the meltdown actually takes us down to our raw feelings. Yeah, and I think that song is funny because I think I used to write songs uh, very like, I don't know, like sequentially, like like all the verse lyrics, each line leads into the next one and makes logical sense and it supports what the chorus is doing and, and the concept of the chorus and the titles in the chorus and all these different rules of songwriting and stuff. And I think the beautiful Meltdown song is just like each sentence is uh, sort of like a memory or an event or something that might have been seven years apart you know it's like it, it was just all just sort of like autobiographical snippets that were all like okay these are all the times i was fucked up and shit went wrong and it didn't work out for me and um i think it's funny to talk through this because it's kind of this is one of my first times talking through the because i just finished it you know yeah. talking through what this actually means and you know i think the beautiful part of the meltdown is the fact that you got to the place where you you had your low and you had your your tantrum and you lost your friends and you did whatever you did that that was wrong and then you you go up from there and you figure it out and you get your shit together and that's like the that's the beautiful part of it you know so i think that's um that's sort of what it ended up meaning to me well and the truth is if you wouldn't have that meltdown you wouldn't be who you are exactly yeah so, i mean i i applaud you for taking each little snippet and you know as a writer People are like, well, do you write your books in order? And I'm like, no, no, not at all. I have, I'm writing a saga and it's like, yes, I have, I'm working on book two, but I have stuff for book five written. So, you know, some people, they have to write sequentially and they have to stay conformed to the rules, but nobody said that you have to do it. With all the music that's out there nowadays, however you feel passionate to write, that's what you should do. Definitely, and I mean, Going off of that, it's like Beautiful Meltdown was, I think the last song or second to last song that we even added to the album. Like the, the Beautiful Meltdown and Adderall weren't on the album, you know, a couple of weeks before we delivered it. And so, um, you know, when you look at like what the story is, and it's not exactly a concept album really, but it does tell some sort of story and a journey because it goes Beautiful Meltdown all through all this range of breakups and emotions and it's better this way and I feel empty and then all, all these range of things. And then you get to take it from it where it's just like a song about total unconditional love and trying to take away, you know, the pain of your loved one, which is like the guy in Beautiful Meltdown would not have the capacity to have that feeling for someone if he didn't go through all of the stuff of, you know, of that journey and of those highs and lows and, and that, you know, uh, experience. Which is an amazing thing. And it's an amazing gift that you've given. The one thing I will say, though, and I've talked to other musical artists about this, is that now because of dare i say the netflix generation we have come to binge things and you know a lot of artists have talked about they won't do an album now because they'll release singles because that's what people want but mm -hmm. what you described is something beautiful because it is a whole story in itself and that's the way music used to be listened to you would put it on an album and you would listen the whole way through and yes i actually because the files you sent were not necessarily in order i put them all in order so i could hear the journey and the interpretation of how it was supposed to be listened to and i think by us being such a consumable society sometimes we miss the the oh the perfection and beauty of music as it should be 
you know, listen to. Yeah, it's the the last start of the album. Yeah. Um, and I think that's tough nowadays because everything boils down to 15 seconds on TikTok. And then if that 15 seconds does well enough, then you get to put the song out. And then people get two and a half minutes or three minutes or whatever. And then if that blows up, oh, then you get to do an album. And it's like, I don't want to do that. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I grew up listening to records and that's like, and hearing the journey of that and hearing, you know, an artist's first record and, and then the transformation of their sound and their, their lyrics and all that into the second album and, and seeing those different eras of, of the band and stuff. And that's like something that is like so core to what inspires me about music that I couldn't skip that part, you know, like, and I don't know how it will be received or if people even will listen to it or if they'll put it in shuffle mode or what they'll do. But, you know, I can't control that part. And all I can do is, is say, I want to make a record and then do it, you know? So I'm proud of myself for just going for it, regardless of what the results are. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine, let, let's just, let's go back. Let's go back in time, but not go back in time. Take Pink Floyd's The Wall, which is mm-hmm. a total concept album and put yep. that to today's standards with the 15 seconds. And it just does not work. Yeah, people, people probably wouldn't listen to it. They probably wouldn't even get signed. <laughs> no, no, and that, we definitely wouldn't have all the laser light shows they had <laughs> back right. in the day. So, I mean, I, I think if we, we need to slow down sometimes and just take in stuff, you know? So, I, I wonder, and here's the other thing, I know that that's happening with authors. When does it happen with, with records that Amazon says if somebody buy, downloads your CD and they don't like it, that they can get a refund? Because this is what's happening with books. People are buying the book, and they don't like it, so they return it. Or they retur- read it, really? liked it, and return it, yeah. So I wonder wow. when that's gonna start happening with music as well. Well, I mean, the the other equivalent is just streaming, is like someone can listen to three seconds of your song on Spotify and go, eh, nope, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's uh, which honestly, that's, it's a double-edged sword, because it's available to everyone, which is, is awesome. Everyone has the access, so, so you, you know, you have the ability to have millions of people hear your stuff. Um, which is great, but the other side of it is that it's it's more disposable. Right. So I wanted to make something that wasn't disposable. Um, and I think that's one of the things I'm really proud of is that like, I think sonically uh, the music is competitive with, with what's around today. And lyrically, I think it's maybe a tad deeper than what's going on. Um, and so, you know, I, that was really important to me to like actually tell a story and say what I had to say and talk about you know issues that were important to me and um and you know have some like ability for it to be replayed more than once <laughs> you know yeah yeah and I, there, there's something i want to say about spotify well i know it's the bane of existence for some you know when i write a book i create a spotify playlist which yes some of your songs will be on the in the next book's playlist not that you need to know that but it will be so That's that will great. always be immortalized in the back of my book um but on I started another podcast which is the B2 soundtrack podcast and it's about songs that ma- meant something and yes one of your songs is actually in there lose somebody but oh lose somebody Great. yeah the fact is Spotify does introduce more artists to other people that may not have known about you so that's the one benefit but like Amazon Kindle unlimited you don't make money from it right yeah i mean well honestly like I don't know if I feel that way about Spotify. I think that's like a big like outrage is that you can't make any money from Spotify and they pay pennies on uh, per stream yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But it actually equates to like four grand for a million streams. And so, you know, that's like, that's not nothing. And no. I think, you know, if you're in a situation where you own the master and you're putting out independently, like that's, 
that's not the end of the world no you know so i think it's cool that it you know you can get out to more people and and especially through the algorithms and stuff like my most recent song like a bunch of the plays are just coming through the algorithmic playlist and so it's like discover weekly and stuff and people are able to stumble upon my thing on their little mix of new songs and stuff which i think is incredible that's awesome i mean like i said some people think spotify is the bane of existence i do listen to spotify and i put my playlist on there because for me as a writer it gives me the opportunity to listen to what i want to listen to create these customized playlists and then I get new artists that I've never heard of. And I want to talk about that for a second because there is a resurgence in 80s style music because there's quite a few artists that I've seen recently come out that have very similar style that, you know, it's it's like stepping back in time to the 80s. And right. one of your songs, It Was Missing You, it reminded me a little bit of, there was something musically that reminded me of Everybody Wants to Rule the World. That's the closest I can think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And I was sitting there last night, and I kept going, what is this remind me of? And it was today that that kind of kicked in. I'm not sure it's exactly that, but it has that 80s vibe of, you know, everybody wants to rule the world. So what- Yeah, it's the same time signature. So it's in 12-8 instead of 4-4. Four, four. So it has like a gallop, like a instead of just one, two, three. So that's why- It has like a triplet feel. So it's, um, which that, honestly, that song started as, like a ballad like more of a like uh i want to know what love is for or like that type of like ballad and stuff and um and then i i put the drums on too it was just it was super slow like big drums and stuff and then i realized that it had that that 12 8 thing and then i thought of everybody wants to do the road i was like oh i'm sick you know and so that that kind of like i i sped it up but uh you know by double basically and um and that was how we got that that vibe the next track we listen to is Missing You. It's the third track on the record. And while I say we should listen to it fully from start to finish, I did kind of skip around because some of the songs had been out for a while and we had talked to talked about them on the prior podcast. So this track is called Missing You.
Well, thanks for verifying I was yes. right about it. <laughs> yes, yes. So who are you missing? There I ask. Who was I missing? Oh, that song is, um, that's like basically an apology song um, to my girlfriend, Tallulah, who we, uh, you know, it was right at the start of the pandemic and, you know, we were locked down and stuff. And so we got in sort of a, uh, a bit of a tiff. Um, and happens. yeah, and you know, when you, you lose your temper a little bit, you say some stuff you didn't mean. And then, and then, uh, you know, I was like, I don't want you to leave because I, I don't want to be missing you, you know? And then yeah. I was like, wait, are we good? Okay, cool. I got to go write this song. <laughs> so then I went in the other room and I wrote this song and it's like, all right, cool. Um, so yeah, that was my, that was my apology song. <laughs> nice. Nice. Did you get the whirly fixed? Yes. Yeah. Got it tuned. Yes. Were you on that Instagram live? Yes, I was. Okay, yes, I great. was. And yeah. you sounded great. And I thought it was a nice acoustic performance of just you. And Thank the piano. you. I'll have to do another one now that it's actually in tune. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was good for what it was. So cool. I think I enjoy your lives. Your lives are amusing. And I, you know, I think you should do it a little bit more often, but I understand it's a little nerve wracking. I actually almost did this podcast live with you. I was going to reach out and see if you wanted to do it live. Oh, cool. Well, let's Got do it. it next time live. All right. That's fine. You're welcome back anytime. You know that. So <laughs> let's go back to I Hate It Here. Nintendo 64. I, I wanted to ask you last time we talked, I think, about video games, and we didn't actually talk about it. Oh, but, okay. So, let's but you had, Ninten you had Nintendo 64, so this obviously... Was this song a lot of time, lot dealing with when you were a kid or a teenager? Um, that song is about a couple of different things. And I think that goes back to what I said before about, I used to write a song about, oh, it has to be about this one moment in time. And I think parts of that song are about the pandemic and parts of that song are about uh, previous breakups I've had and, and depressions I've fallen into post breakup and things like that. Um, and then, yeah, and like I said, part of it is about you know being in the pandemic and and during, um, you know that that first spring of 2020, I was like just inside playing Mario Kart on N64 and just having the same day over and over again. It was like live, die, repeat type thing. Um, and and yes, yeah, so that was just what I, I was like. My TV is going to catch on fire because I've been playing so much N64. It's just going to combust. <laughs> so that was the first two lines of the song. So you still have your old Nintendo 64. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Have to. I can't say anything. I have an Atari 2600. So that was like my first video game. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The yeah, vintage I... ones are the special ones. And the, and the other one I got into was was playing the old Pokemon games. I, I brought out my Game Boy and like Pokemon Blue, like the original. So the pandemic was fun to just like, you have so many hours. It's like, all right, well, I'm just going to play old video games, I guess. <laughs> so then I have to ask, since you're old video game, uh, do you have an Xbox or a PlayStation? Uh, yeah, I have an Xbox One, yeah. And did you play Guitar Hero? Of course, yeah. I shredded Guitar Hero. Honestly, this is kind of funny. I also had Guitar Hero 80s. Oh, really? Yeah, so there was like a spin-off Guitar Hero that was Guitar Hero 80s that was one that I played every day one summer, so. Yeah, I have a brand new set of Guitar Hero drums that, we've never, that was never opened in a box. It's like, okay, for the Xbox, and it's like, uh, I wanted to play drums because I always wanted to play drums. So like, this will be my chance. Nah. It's still in the closet. And... Got to unbox it. Come on. Got to get I in may. there. I may. I may. My husband also, <laughs> I have my husband's uh, old electronic drums. So maybe I'll dabble with those because that might be better. Yeah, yeah. Or you can start on Guitar Hero and get the feel for it and then go to the real thing. 
True, true. But it's nothing like it. I mean, playing bass on Guitar Hero is kind of a joke. And, get, you know, playing playing Guitar Hero is not the same. We know this. Of course, of course. But it's fun. Yeah. So what is your all-time favorite game, then? My all-time favorite game? Um, that's actually really tough. I don't know. I got really into Pokemon over the pandemic. I, I played a bunch as a kid, and then I went back and played, like, four or five of, of the Pokemon games, which was crazy absurd waste of time but also very fun um what else oh also doom eternal you just like you kill demons it's like you just it's crazy (laughs) um but that game is incredibly entertaining and you like you sweat and there's like metal music playing the whole time so you're just like freaking out it's that's quite an experience (laughs) soul caliber i haven't played that really i'm surprised but it's it's pretty fun i used to play soul caliber oh but yeah, we're digressing into video games, and that's not what you're here to talk about. But hey, it's okay. Yeah. No, I love. I would talk about video games all day. So, as we progress to, through it, you also did a little interlude, and that's the one thing I wish that I would like to hear together. Maybe when the album's released, I can listen to it on Spotify. The interlude, "Time to Tell the Truth," is a nice little piece that it kind of blends in, but because it was separately separate files, it didn't blend together for me. So I'm looking forward to the release of the record so they all blend evenly together, if you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah, so you can hear it all together. Yeah. Yeah, that one was cool. That that song, I wrote that, I think, like, almost a year ago, and it was just sitting there, and I it was, sometimes I'll start things, not sometimes, all the time, I'm starting things and not finishing them, um, which I think any creative can relate to. <laughs> so <laughs> yes. I have a ton of just, like, one minute minute 30 seconds like whatever just little snippets of things and sometimes they don't even have a a verse it might just be a chorus or it has the verse but no chorus or whatever and then that was one of them uh that just had you know i don't know whether it's a verse or a chorus or whatever it is but i just had one you know little bit of of vocals over this keyboard part um that my buddy isaiah played and yeah we we were like kind of piecing the album together and stuff and then i was like we need an interlude we have to have an interlude. And so I was like going through like old stuff and I found that one and I was like, oh yeah, this has got to be on there somewhere. And so we were trying to figure out where to put it. And then, you know, John who, who, uh, uh, you know, the guy has made, you know, what, 15 records or whatever. So he knows a thing or two about. 15 with Duran and then some solo stuff and some other stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's no stranger to sequencing of tracks. (laughs) So, um, uh, he had the idea to do, to come out with three, upbeat more like banger type songs and then slow it down and so he was like oh let's put that interlude right in there track four and i, I think it, it it works it it you know slows things down and gives you a moment to breathe yeah well i mean you know it's like programming a radio station you have to have your upbeat then you put your little mid- middle length there and then you put your slower song in your ballad right back when you had to do that now most stations are already done for you so you don't even have to bother which is weird but I know this because right. back in 93, I got to program a radio station. Oh, cool. I used to be a, an on-air personality. And then the next station I worked at, it was all computerized. Wow. Because yeah. a lot of the playlists are, they, because they're all owned by the same company. So they come from somewhere else up the food mm-hmm. chain. And then a lot of radio stations are playing the exact same mm-hmm. playlist, right? Right. And, and the fact is, when I programmed the station, it was like if somebody called them with a request, I could go, okay, I can do this. At the other station, it was like the only thing you had control of on the board was the levels and the dump button. That was it. So you what does the dump button in, do? 
it would skip if you if you were running short if somehow the programs the station was programmed too much where they had too many ads or too many songs and that you were you weren't hitting the marks on the time you would dump a song so oh, your ad would play and you would hit your mark with because you had FCC rules about when you were supposed to do your station ID and everything else so mm. yeah and if you Sounds had dead fun. air <laughs> it was fun it was fun and uh, yeah I worked in the middle of a cornfield and in the middle of a bayou so how glamorous is that wow what state was this in um indiana for i worked at z100 in indiana and um no z100 was in new orleans excuse me but the station was located in the bayou and when 106 i worked in in indiana and their sister station was wkrp okay which which one's that wkrp was an am station and i didn't work there but it actually existed in Indiana. Everybody thinks, you know, the TV show WKRP in Cincinnati. There really was an Indiana radio uh, station with the call letters. Oh, funny. So, yeah. Not there that you go. needed to know any of that. but No, I like learning. So, you have a tour day coming up, our show, April 7th. Yes, we do. And how excited are you about that? I'm very excited. Um, yeah, we haven't played a show since December, so... Excited to get back out there. We're going to play, um, it's obviously the album release uh, event show. Um, so we're going to play the album front to back in order, which I think is going to be really fun. It'll be like a live listening party, basically. Nice. So I think it'll be cool to, um, you know, get everyone's reaction, you know, playing it live the first time. Are you going to be doing any more live dates? Uh, yeah, uh, probably definitely have some more, you know, local LA shows and things like that. Um, would love to hop on a tour. So if anyone hears this and wants to take me on tour, let's do it. Um, but yeah, definitely playing some more LA shows this spring. So yes, I'm jumping around. Let's. I know one song that you really, really like, and and that's Adderall. Yes. So I, I have to say, Mindy Sachs is awesome on that. John's bass yes. is great. And once again, that's another convertible song. I know you guys said Dead Days and Gatorades was all about driving, but to me. It's another driving song. It really is. Like maybe not. It might be a driving, driving album. Who knows? Maybe. Well, not all <laughs> the way, but at least some of it. Sure. And trust me, because I live out in a small town and I have to drive everywhere, it'll be on my playlist quite a bit. Great. Happy to so, hear that. What happened to inspire this? Um. Yeah, I think. Well, I had talked about Adderall in one of the other songs. I think. Dead Days, I mentioned Adderall, and um, there are a couple other songs that like that briefly mention it. And then one day in the studio, me and John were talking about Adderall and my experience taking and stuff. And he was asking me some questions. And one day he was like, "You should just make a song called Adderall." And I was like, "Okay, cool." And that was kind of in the back of my head. And then it wasn't until you know maybe six months later or something that that I actually, you know found it the song that would be you know the melody to fit those words to um but yeah then yeah it was it was a a a fun song to write i think it's exciting because it's not like a relationship song necessarily which i think a lot of the songs in the record are um and i think that's more what i'm like comfortable doing is talking about you know the people in my life and what happened with us (laughs) you know that's kind of the theme thing but in a way isn't taking adderall it's still a relationship whether it's it's not the same kind of relationship as having a personal relationship but 
it makes you feel a certain way. So therefore you build a relationship with that feeling, don't you? Of course, yeah. And I think I, I equate it to a relationship in the song because I say, why don't you let me go? And I'm not talking mm-hmm. to a person. <laughs> so Right, right, right. <laughs> so I guess it ends up being a relationship song anyway. You're right, yeah. And I mean, that's, I think we, we don't look at things like that. We're like, oh, it's just medication. It's whatever. No, you build a relationship because you build a tolerance to it. You, you know, just like a relationship. You can tolerate certain people in your life, certain people you can't. So you, you end up changing because of it. Definitely. Yeah. And I think one thing that's tough is that like, there's the perception that um, if it comes from a doctor, that it's safe. And that's just not true, <laughs> you know? So um, that's something I definitely like learned the hard way. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think with Adderall specifically, it's like I grew up in a generation where it's like, if you have any problem with the way that you're being taught in school and not being able to sit still or, or even enjoying recess more than class, then it's like, all right, let's get this kid some pills, you know? And it's like, yeah. it's kind of absurd. And um, I even had a teacher in elementary school that called my parents and said that I should be on Adderall, you know? And it's like, it just seems kind of crazy. And um, yeah, so I, th- I thought it was an appropriate thing to vent about via song. <laughs> no, I get it, I get it. I mean, Um, I had a back injury and I had gone to a pain management doctor and the doctor's like, okay, well, I want you on three Flexril a day and two Vicodin a day. And I'm thinking to myself, I looked at my husband at the time and I said, you know, I would rather have quality of life than quantity of life because all that's going to do is make me drool because medication and I don't have a good relationship. So why would I do that to myself? I can learn to tolerate pain over being medicated. The second track on the album is called Adderall, Why Don't You Let Me Go? And this is one of Nate's favorite songs. Guess I'm gonna bring this down You should let me go 
Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's kind. Of, it's like I don't know. It's kind of like a touchy subject because there, there's definitely times where people need. Yes. You need something and you should take it. Yes. You know, and it's like I'm not like I don't have a stance. It's like anti any prescription medication. Me neither. And I just think that also. Um, I'm trying to. I, I, I want to phrase this the right way. I feel like there should be more information available as to the seriousness of what is being prescribed. Yes. Because I think you someone gives you Adderall and you get 30 pills or whatever, and they go, okay, here you go. And they don't tell you that this is the actual, like, chemical components of, like, meth, basically. <laughs> you know, so it's, like, it's wow. kind of insane. And so it's, it's um, yeah, it's just, like, a, it's... Well, it, it can be dangerous. There, so that's all. My, you know, and I, I'm not medication. There are medications people do need, and I do not. And some people do need to take Adderall. I'm not saying that they don't. But there was a situation where my husband had neuropathy of the feet, and so they prescribed something for him, and he started having dark thoughts. And so we went back to the doctor, another doctor, and she's like, well, you shouldn't be on that. If you have dark thoughts, it has a black box warning, which means, and this is what they never tell you. It has a black box warning. So there's suicidal thoughts, but you know what goes along hand in hand with the suicidal thoughts that they don't tell you? Homicidal Mm. thoughts. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. They don't tell you that thing. Yeah. But, But I mean, we, we go to a doctor and we think, okay, this is fine and I'll take the medication and it'll make me better but the fact is sometimes we don't know those side effects and we're not being told those side effects so exactly yeah yeah so anyway now that we went down that rabbit hole i apologize but uh it's something that i think you know people do need to be on medication and people do need to be on antidepressants and and some medication to help them focus we are not disputing that so anybody listening neither one of us are disputing (laughs) that so Let's get back to the record. So, Better This Way. Um, so, I appreciated the line that the tone of the voice doesn't sound sound the same way. Or it doesn't Ooh, sound the same. Yeah. And I mean, there are, there are, when you, when you were talking earlier about the fact that this record is a journey, the person that starts out very, I don't want to say narcissistic, but that has not matured is not going to pick up on that. They're not going to notice that the person has tuned out, that something has switched in the relationship. They're just going to continue to go, oh, let's keep going. So I give you kudos for actually picking up on that because that says, one, you're intuitive and you are intuitive in your relationships, which is good. It makes a good partner and gives good unconditional love then. Yeah, and I mean, that's probably something I had to learn, too. I mean, there's definitely been times where I've been broken up with, and I'm like, what happened? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, dude, like, get it together. Yeah. You know, so there's that, too. But, um, no, I think Better This Way is talking about, the, you know, the end of the relationship where you're you're realizing all these these things that are changing, and you're like, damn, like, what happened? What? Why is it not the way that it used to be? And why you don't look at me the same? And you and, and when you talk to me, it doesn't sound the same way. And and, and your energy has changed. And like, and w- what is that? And then, you know, kind of coming to the conclusion that oh, you know, maybe this is better for both of us that we're not together. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. And it's better. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. It's like anybody who's been in a serious relationship with somebody that you love. When I, my the first guy I really truly dated and was in love with. 
when he would see me, his eyes would light up. I would always see this light in his eyes. And it's like, as a relationship, I remember asking him, I said, does it bother you that I tell you I love you all the time? He's like, yeah, it does. That was like the death knell. That was the death knell. When he said Oof. that, it was just like, ooh, okay, so we're not on the same page. And then as the relationship yeah. continued to progress a little bit, the light started going out in the eyes. And I'm just like, yeah, this needs to end. This really, we, we came to a conclusion. And it hurt like hell, but I think if you're really in tune to your relationship, you, you know when your partner's not, you know when your partner's phoning it in. Right. Yep. And it's time to cut your losses. So yeah, and that, I mean that's what that's what better this way is about. And it's it's those times are hard, and it it doesn't change how it feels, but it's at least the understanding that it's like this is this wasn't it, you know? Yeah. We gave it a shot, you know, type of thing. And that's the thing about love. You always think, oh, this is the one. This is going to be perfect. Everything is going to be perfect in this situation. But the truth is, it's all about learning. I mean, really, it is. Yeah, and I think also, like, going through several relationships before, you know, meeting my current girlfriend, who who I think is my one, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think you realize what you, what you need and what you, the type of person that you are actually going to be compatible with and all that kind of stuff. So every every relationship before is like a learning experience where you're, you're, you're getting more to the point where you're like oh i will actually know when i find the person who is my my person you know mm -hmm. and, and you have to go through those those relationships that don't work in order to know that well and i think also going through those relationships you get to a point where you start learning who you are sure sure yeah and i think it takes a long time for us to get to that point that we and I, and we never know who we totally are because we're constantly changing and evolving but you have to go through those experiences to know this is what I want, this is what I don't want, and this is who I am, and this is how I interact with somebody. Exactly, yeah. And I think, I mean, the best way to go through a breakup is to know, is to actually take the time to like self-assess and be like, what did I do well here? <laughs> what didn't I do well? And that's, that's how you can actually use it to your benefit. I think some people probably just go, oh, screw her she was mean or whatever and it's like hey there's two sides to all this you know like you, you got to try and take it and, and figure out you know how you could have handled things differently well being a child of divorce i remember asking my dad i'm like so dad why'd you guys split because my mother would always tell me and i was like 10 years old and my dad's like when you're older i'll tell you i'm like okay so i hit 40 and i'm like dad i think i'm old enough now Will you tell me? <laughs> so he gives me this whole picture. And, and this the reason why I bring this up is because he paints this whole picture and it's totally different than what my mom said. So it's like, <laughs> I felt like I was living the butterfly effect because all of a sudden this whole different scenario came to mind. And right. after a few months, it was like, okay, let's step back for a second. They ha And this is the truth about all relationships. You have your version, she has her version, and there's truth somewhere in the middle because we don't right. always fully look at everything clearly. Yeah, and I mean, there's so many variables. It's like, it's how you perceive what happened versus what someone's intentions were. There's all sorts of stuff that you can yeah. get bogged down with. But um, yeah, sometimes you just know when it's not right. And, and Right, and then the expectations. It's better this way, we're not together. <laughs> as long as you focus on your expectations and understand that your expectations aren't always gonna be met, you stand a good chance of surviving the relationship. Exactly. So, Me Without You was a very dreamy, hopeful song. Mm -hmm. So, 
was that once again after a tiff or is this just something that you what inspired it i guess that was a song i wrote for Cholula for um valentine's day nice. uh either last year or the year before um and yeah it was just like a it was just a good old love song you know just talking about how um how important she is to me and uh you know how she's helped shape me to be who i am and make me a better version of myself you know i, I thought i was like you know maybe you should hit some uh wedding djs up and get that playing in the wedding rotation <laughs> <laughs> right that would be perfect that'd be perfect then people can hear it and then more people will download it and there you go i would love to have a hit wedding song that would yeah. be incredible <laughs> well people you know people get married all the time yeah so I wanted to talk to you because there's a couple more songs in here, but I wanted to talk to you about the Grammys. So are you going to be watching this week? Or is that something that... Sure, yeah. I'll watch the Grammys. What are you looking forward to? I honestly don't even know anything about it. I think my uh, uh, capacity for award shows is very low. That's fine. <laughs> but And my expectations. Um, I don't even know what's going on what are you looking forward to i actually i'm gonna be honest i actually did not plan on watching it because i don't have um cable and oh, okay. i live out in the boonies so all <laughs> right well you'll know if somebody slaps somebody <laughs> and the next day i guess <laughs> this is true this is so true yeah. what is your opinion of that or do you dare say anything <laughs> oh my gosh i don't know if you're supposed to have an opinion i think i don't know i'm well, I'm not Will Smith. So I don't know what was going on in his head, but I think that you probably shouldn't ever go slap someone on live TV. No, that's probably not what you should do. I think he could have. I mean, if he was smart, he would have just said a. He would have roasted Chris back. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, come on, dude, just like joke back. I don't know, or like, I don't know. I think there's a million things he could have done differently, but. Um, well, what's funny, yeah, I don't know. what's funny is the conspiracy theorists are out there now and they've mocked up a picture saying uh, Chris Rock had a, a pad on his cheek. So they doctored a photo. It's, it's 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 funny how with the technology we have and then people are like, oh, so see, it was all a setup. OK, I don't know. I don't either. I don't I don't think so. No, <laughs> I think it was a real slap, but I think it was also real stupid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're you're in a public person. You're a public person. Yes, I understand that there's a long beef between you two, but there's a better way to handle it. And like there's just no like the amount of jokes he's getting now is is a, a million times more on the everyone's roasting him on the Internet, you know, so it's like if you could have taken the one joke, then you wouldn't have gotten the hundreds of thousands of jokes that are on Twitter today. You know? So it's crazy. But, but it yeah. has helped Chris Rock's uh, ticket sales. Has it really? Yeah, on Twitter I saw that last night that um, his concert ticket sales are through the roof right now. Wow, all right, well, now, well somebody's benefiting. What I thought was funny is somebody had posted a picture of all the stars reacting and one of them was Mel Gibson reacting, and I just thought, well, isn't that ironic because of Mel Gibson's history with the trouble he's been in publicly, so. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, better watch what he says. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and another thing to weigh in on, I guess, would be the Taylor Hawkins thing. Um, you know. Oh, so sad. It's very sad, and being somewhat of a public figure, how do you feel that 
do you think it could have been handled differently as far as the media and the gossip columns pushing the theory of how he died and everything? I mean, do you think all that stuff happens so quickly and shouldn't they hold back or should they? I don't know. I mean, I think it's fine for the truth to come out. I think what happens in these situations is everyone rushing to be the first person to say what happened and maybe they say something that's not true. But beyond that, it's like, it's extremely tragic. He was like an incredible musician, super influential. I think the more important thing to me is like, like I was like crushed, you know, I'm like, he was like someone I really looked up to and Foo Fighters were like, one of my favorite bands in high school and like and me and my friends would jam in my basement and we'd play everlong and we'd take turns trying to play the drums and making the face you know like (laughs) and trying to be taylor hawkins you know so it's like that was like one of the first you know musician deaths that really hit me super hard and um you know i think to see the outpouring of love from like the music community toward him was like really it's like oh wow okay yeah like everyone feels the same way i do about this and that was kind of like comforting in a way I guess yeah and I mean that's that part I think is awesome I just feel for his family that they're putting all this stuff out in the media and it's like they haven't even had time to wrap their head around this you know yeah yeah and I mean I think the better thing to look at is the statements that are coming from the Foo Fighters because it's they're not talking about what happened or why or whatever they're just like this is a, a you know a really incredible loss and you know give us some time you know that's yeah. like the more reasonable thing to look at i do know they were supposed to play the grammys but i don't know that they are but they were supposed oh, to play yeah. the grammys that's the one thing i knew and the reason i asked you about the grammys is because you're a musician but not everybody wants a grammy yeah well i would love to have a grammy but um i'm not nominated for best new artist so maybe <laughs> uh next year the year after <laughs> maybe maybe which um let's let's talk about take it from you i want to say that was a powerful song because We've all been in that position. And I have a friend right now going through breast cancer and her anxiety is through the roof. And it's like, I just wish I could take that pain that she's going through and her anxiety away. So that was very poignant. It's a very poignant time for me to hear that song because it's like, I get that so much. And when we love somebody and care about them, we want to do that. Yeah. And I don't think I really realized how relatable it was. I think that was a song where I didn't even think about what I, I honestly didn't even think it would be released. I wrote it just for Tallulah. Just, I, I just sent it to her when she was traveling for work and, and um, you know, was having a harder time and stuff and we were apart and, um, and I, I, you know, I sent it to her and she sent me a photo back with like tears in her eyes uh-huh. and stuff. And it was like, you know, it was a song I wasn't even planning on releasing. So it was, it was just something that was made just for her. And I think that like purity of that, ironically it maybe makes it even more relatable that it's it's just you know my own experience with my girlfriend and and what we were going through and then um that that's probably the most universal feeling there is that that you want to not have your loved ones be in pain <laughs> true but i want to say do you realize how do you realize how much of how much growth you've done to be able to recognize that to be able to say you wanted to do that yeah, I mean, I think it's it's detailed in 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 all the songs. You can look at yeah. all the songs and and see that whoever's in the character in those songs are not someone who would probably say that, no. <laughs> you know, um, or feel that, or n- even know what that is. Um, and so I think it's 
definitely a sign of maturity, I guess. <laughs> it is. But um, yeah. I have to say, Don't Feel Like Dancing, that song gets stuck in my head sometimes, just the, that, that line and the little yeah. music. It's like, okay, so Nate's stuck in my head again, which isn't a bad thing. <laughs> it's not a bad thing, it's a good song. So are there gonna be any more videos? I would love to make some videos. Um, we have a couple things in the works that I'm not going to announce yet, okay, but um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I definitely want to get some more visuals going. Good, good. Uh, what we also have is um, coming out on, well, I guess by this time it'll be out already, but um, we filmed a uh, live showcase with Nick Egan directing okay. um, a few months ago. So that's going to be out and we'll feature um, six of the songs on the album and uh, uh, you know, as a live live performance. So that's uh, an exciting visual we have. Nice, coming. nice. So now that the record is finished, what's next? Another record. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, what's funny is that a lot of this stuff is on such like a big delay. So like a lot of these songs were written, you know, empty. I started in 2016. Um, that's probably the earliest one. Take It From You was 2018. A lot of them were 2020, 2021, um, and, and now they're just coming out, you know? So it's in that time I was writing all kinds of new songs, you know? So it's, it's there's a, about like a, at least a year delay between when I write a song and when it comes out. So, so obviously right now, you know, the songs I'm writing will probably come out, whatever, we, we have releases planned for the summer and for the fall and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, so just trying to, trying to evolve, trying to figure out what the next sound is and and uh, get going on the next the next record. <laughs> and you got the new studio set up because you did. I do. Recently. It's not done yet, but it's I'm I'm in a new. We we moved. Um, I moved in with Lula, so we're getting settled. Um, and yeah, I gotta gotta get my get my panels up, get everything in order, get my lights going. Looks good though. I mean, it, it it looks considering you just moved in not too long ago. It looks good. It looks set up at least for now. Okay, so. it's set up to make the music. So it's, I, I got the essentials going. <laughs> yeah. So let's see, what else? Hmm. So no tour dates coming or no dates around LA that are, are hard and fast right now. No, except for the, the album release show. Yeah. Um, still locking in everything else. Well, with everything opening up though, you should be able to get some dates soon, I would think. Yeah, and I think people are like much more willing to go out to shows. Um, I know even like the last couple of shows I played, it was like still like, you know, masks were required and, 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 you know, all that kind of stuff. So it was, it was definitely, um, I think there was less people wanting to come out just because it's right in the middle of the pandemic. So I think coming out of that, it's going to be easier to, um, get people out to shows. Are you feeling better now that things are calming down and. Absolutely. I mean, it's like, that was like two two plus years of like being freaked out you know it's like that sucks and i'm someone who like i had like a pretty hard time during the pandemic of like dealing with like anxiety and stuff like that and like just being like scared to leave the house you know it's like that was like that was like pretty rough um which i basically just stayed in the house and made music which was fine <laughs> but um yeah that was not great and so and all that stuff of like when you see someone, it's like, oh my gosh, who have you seen and who have you been around and what, have you been traveling, all, all that kind of stuff and just being scared of people is like not natural. 
And you're not supposed to feel that way. You're supposed to want community and friendship and all sorts of things like that. And so I think that's, that was hard. And I don't think we realized what the effects of that would be like having to be scared of, of your neighbor or like who touched the trash cans before you and stuff like that. Just like, just crazy. And I think I'm someone who has like, I, I don't even want to say that. I, I have uh, an attention to detail surrounding germs. <laughs> so <Okay>. I, <laughs> which is a better way to say OCD. I don't actually have OCD, but um, uh, you know, I'm, I was over there like Lysoling light switches and stuff like that. And it's like, crazy like that's just like when that's what's filling up your brain it's like there's no way you have room to be happy <laughs> you know i completely get it i mean my husband at the time was a dialysis patient so i wasn't fully locked down i would have to drive uh, him to dialysis three times a week but that meant before masks were required i started wearing a mask i would wear gloves to the grocery store i was that kind of freaky lady i'd get in the car i'd have lysol i'd spray all the grocery bags like that really is yep. going to do something and when i would bring <laughs> him home from dialysis it's like i'd spray him down with lysol and everything else so it was kind of crazy now after he passed i went through a weird thing because suddenly i was locked down and handling grief and lockdown is not the easiest thing in the world because you're not having the the normal people for support. You can talk to people this way, you can talk to people on the phone, and yes, I did venture out to a couple of my friends, but once again, like you were saying, where had they been? Who else have they seen? What's going on? So there was always that factor. So for me, lockdown was a whole nother process of trying to work through depression and anxiety. And when I decided to start the podcast, it was just like my doctor was like, yeah, that's a good thing for you because then you have contact with the outside world. So that's part right. of this. Yeah. And we need that. You're not supposed to be alone for that long. No. And yeah, I don't know. I'm someone who who definitely can't be alone. Like I, I just, I don't do good by myself for too long, which is funny because I spend so much time by myself making music. But um, it's just, you can't do that for too long. And some days, you know, Tula will come up from work and she'll be like, you haven't seen anyone today, have you? Because I'm just like, yearning for some conversation and, and contact it's like you know it's like and then you know we're, we're just not supposed to be like that for that long so it's and i think everyone had some version of that um you know going on where it's it's you just it's it's too much to be alone like that yeah i mean i would write a lot so i get where you're at with the music i would write and i was able i mean one day i remember it was mother's day and i wrote like six thousand words in one day which is an incredible wow. amount and but then it's like one of my friends would call and I would just be like diary of the mouth because it was just like, oh, there's a human. There's a human to talk to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. and then, of course, I have a cat and a dog. So I talk. Whoops. I have a cat and a dog and I talk to them as well. So, you know, there you go. <laughs> Do they talk back? Kimmy does sometimes the dog. She barks and the cat does meow and complains sometimes. I guess so. But not, not anything that I can understand. So, you know, there you go. Got it. Because some people, I feel like they they obviously the dog's not saying words but they know what the dog wants yeah well that much i do know she you know yeah if i wouldn't have given her a treat before we started she'd been barking the whole time so yeah gotta give the pre-show treat exactly we have a routine <laughs> she knows when the lights come on and the camera's on that means mom's gonna give me the big treat normally we get little yeah. treats. anyway <laughs> there you go <laughs> so how long do you think before, and I hate asking this, but how long do you think before you release the next single, you're going to push it to sometime this summer? Yeah, I think, um, I think we've, we've got stuff lined up for June, July and August. So, 
just going with the next batch. Um, and I think what's fun about the new music too, which is funny to even talk about because people haven't even heard the album I yet. I know. <laughs> I get so excited. Um, is that uh, it's very much informed by playing these live shows and putting a band together. Because um, I think there's only one song on the record that has live drums. It's Beautiful Meltdown. Um, but aside from that, it's all programmed drums and stuff that I just put, put samples on the grid and, and manipulated things that way. Um, but, you know, at the heart of my love for music is a bunch of bands that have live drums and are playing together in a room, you know? So that's kind of something I've always wanted. Um, and getting to have that experience on stage with my friends playing these songs from the album um, really made me feel like that needs to be the next step of the music is to um, incorporate that live feel. Um, so be so, on the lookout for well, some more band sounding songs. So, so we're going we're to say maybe band merchant. Is that what we're going to say? Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I guess, is there anything that I haven't covered besides that they should go download your record um, that you would like to add? Um, I don't think so. Thank you for having me. Um, thank you for diving into the record so deeply. I think it's cool to, to be able to um, yeah, talk about things on a non-surface level and just go into what all the songs are about and stuff. And I hope that um, I hope people go listen to the record and press play on the first song and sit there for 40 minutes and listen to the whole thing. Exactly. That's the, that would be my dream. That's the best <laughs> way to listen to it. So. Yeah. So Merchant, I'm glad he came back and I'm thankful that he was willing to be so honest and open about the meanings behind the songs. You know, sometimes lyrics, when you're creative, whether it be lyrics or as a writer, you're putting a piece of your heart and your soul out in the world and being vulnerable. And to be open and honest and talk about why you did it, that's an incredible gift. It has a lot of meaning and, you know, you never realize who you're going to touch. You know, as I said in the podcast, take it from you. That was, you know, right now there's a friend that I wish I could take all of her pain away from. She's under incredible anxiety and a lot of stress and I can't do anything to fix it. And sometimes being hopeless and helpless to help somebody, it gets to you, it breaks you. And all you can do is be there. And I think some of the music, you know, that song, when I listened to it last night, it was just, it was something that hit me hard. So for you guys that want to listen to his record, while I think it's important that, you know, listen to your favorite song, sure, but really stop and look at the bigger picture, look at the bigger picture and listen, you know, do what we used to do and listen to it from beginning to end. Don't put it on shuffle the first time. Just sit there with the music. There's some great dance songs. There's some great music that just pulls at your heart. So give it a listen and download it, definitely. And hopefully, you know, Merchant's going to come back and we'll talk about his new music. And I look forward to hearing his new music. So on that note, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question, comment, or concern, or would like to be a guest on the Better 2 podcast, please send me an email at Donna at Better2Podcast.com. That's Donna, D-A-U-N-A at Better2Podcast.com. And if you need to catch up on an episode, you can find all our episodes at the Better2Podcast.com. You can also find our social links there as well. 
Anyway, I thank you for tuning in. As always, the show is brought to you by dmneedham.com and Kitty Mystic. And our sound is done by Rich Zai of Third Ear Audio. I hope you enjoyed the show. And I'll catch you next time, guys. Bye. The Better Two Podcast is mixed, edited, and produced by Rich Zai of Third Ear Audio Productions. 